Welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guest on today's podcast is returning um, guest, Hayden Paul. Welcome to podcast, Hayden. <laughs> Too many times. I'm happy to be here. We're happy to be here, and we've got your therapist with you, um, Bo Bushai. Welcome to the podcast, Bo. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Tell us, Bo, how to spell your first and last name. Uh, Bo is, is B-O, and then uh, my last name is Bushai, B-U-C-H-I. So it's a Swiss, a Swiss name, so it's a little bit complicated. But. Mm-hmm. So we're really grateful to have both of you here. For anybody listening to the first time to Hayden, Hayden's been on episode 328 talking about um, solving pornography. Uh, Hayden came back with his dear wife, Savannah. Um, on episode 340, and and Hayden is back now with his counselor, <laughs> his therapist, and we just we these podcasts have really high listens, and um, as Hayden and Savannah probably know, and Bo knows, there's a lot of people looking for the content that these people are sharing because they want to be able to um, end their pornography use, and so we're really grateful to have Bo here. Um, talking about just as a therapist, what he did with Hayden and how um, the principles that Bo taught, um, I'm not even sure I'm not using the right word in principles. Um, but anyway, let me introduce Bo. Bo um, got a bachelor's degree in psychology from the University of Utah, then a master's degree in? Uh, in um, mental health counseling from Virginia Commonwealth University. And that's in um, Richmond, Virginia. And you've been in private practice. Um, cobalt counseling for about eight years. Is that right? Correct. And I, and I worked before that for uh, the state and uh, also for the church as a counselor. So just in private practice for the last eight years. And we'll give um, Bo's contact information out later. But if you just um, look for cobalt counseling in Taylorsville, Utah, you will find um, Bo's contact information. Uh, let's just... Um, I want you just to introduce a little bit more, Bo, about who you are and the type of counseling you focus on and how you connected with Hayden. For sure. Um, so one thing I should say just to start out um, so that any existing clients don't think I'm just going to share confidential information mm-hmm. or anything. So Hayden and I, uh, Hayden asked me to come do this. And so he's, he's given me signed permission to be able to do this. The other thing is Hayden's not a current client. Mm-mm. So the, the therapy Hayden and I did, um, it's been a, it's been a, a good while. So, um, I just want to put that out there because, uh, in counseling confidentiality is probably the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's, uh, something that we safeguard. Um, but the other thing to answer your question, uh, so I'm, I'm a general practitioner, which means, you know, I, I treat basically anything. So I, I'm a, ment- a clinical mental health counselor. Um, and so that means, you know, I can, I can treat, I'm, I'm licensed to be able to treat anything that's related into the mental health field. Uh, but I do get quite a few people that come in for pornography related issues. Um, and so when Hayden uh, mentioned to me that he was uh, doing this, he asked me if I'd be willing to participate. And I said, sure, you know, we definitely want to help anyone that, that could benefit from this. Mm -hmm. And thanks for doing this. Do I call you a therapist, a counselor? Is there a difference, Bo? Um, not really. They're kind of interchangeable. So either, either one's fine. Yeah. And, um, so listeners, this is just a chance. I, I, we don't want to turn this into a one-stop therapy session. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. think that's what Bo's trying to do here. But our hope is that you will hear things in this relationship as they talk about what happened in this part of the solution. 
that will be helpful for you. This is sort of like Team Hayden solving pornography. There's a lot of people on this team. There's Hayden, there's the Savior, there's his dear wife, Savannah. There's a priesthood leader, Jordan Clements. We've talked about as stake president. There's, in this case, a therapist, counselor, Bo. And there may be other people. No, there's countless other people. My parents, my the people at the healing and recovery program, my accountability partners. Like it, it really takes a whole team to do this. And that's one of the things about Hayden that I have so much respect for is, and I feel it's just, it's this, I'm not going to do this alone and stay in the shame of it. I'm Mm going to, I know I need a team to help me um, end this because I don't want this to be part of the rest of my life. And to me, that's sort of manning up and just saying um, in the very best way you can do that is I'm going to take this head on and I'm going to solve it. And part of manning up to me is, I need help. Mm-hmm. And and that's sometimes just the opposite of what men want to do or feel like they should do. <laughs> yes. So um, talk, Hayden, how did you find Bo? Yeah. Um, after I had my initial meeting with uh, my stake president, when he introduced me to the healing and recovery program, which is a modified um, addiction recovery program that's specific towards pornography, uh, he recommended that I at least meet with Bo once. And I was kind of hesitant. I think a lot of, a lot of guys, like you said, it's, we're, we're prideful. A lot of times guys are prideful and stubborn and it's really useful sometimes, but when it comes to, you know, mental health and, and, you know, overcoming things like that, it's not useful whatsoever. You have to be the exact opposite. You have to be humble and willing to ask for help. And so uh, I thought about it and prayed about it and I decided that I was going to do it. And there were a few things that there was just kind of like the stigma of going to a therapist first that I had to overcome. And then there was also, it was, um, you know, a, a fiscal sacrifice as well. Like it costs money to go to therapy. And I, I remember my stake president recommended, he said, you know, you, you should try to see if your parents are okay with paying for it if you can't afford it yourself. And if not, then maybe the bishop could help you out with it, right? And so my parents happily uh, paid for the first session. And I remember I went and after I went to the first session, I had this distinct impression, Hayden, you need to pay for this. And I, I, it was kind of weird. And I, what I realized was that I needed to pay for it to prove to myself that I was serious that I needed, that I, I was actually in it, that I had skin in the game. And I can talk, I'll talk about that later, kind of what I did to, to pay for it. Um, what we can talk about that later in this conversation, but I, I made sacrifices in order to pay for this, this counseling. And, and what it did was first off, kind of just a, a temporal physical way. I was like, man, I really want to solve this problem. Cause then I can stop paying for therapy every week. <laughs> and then, um, there was just like that spiritual strength that came from, you know, showing myself and showing the Lord that I was serious, that I was willing to make real sacrifices in order to overcome this. And I went to the first session with Bo and I remember getting there and I was like, I remember leaving just being like, I, I, what was his, what was his plan? Like, I don't, I, I, (laughs) I, I felt like I didn't get much out of it. I was, I was just, I went to the first session. I was like, all he did was just ask questions about me. And we just kind of talked about my life. We didn't even address pornography whatsoever. We just talked about my, 
my family, my upbringing, kind of, he asked a few questions about my view of the world and, and with God, my relationship with God, but we didn't even talk about pornography. And so, um, I just knew though that, you know, let's get, let's go another time and then another time. And, and slowly I just, I felt this extra strength that came from being able to just talk openly to someone that I wasn't connected to in any other way. And it was, it was incredible. And so I don't know, but what, what did you, I don't know how much you remember of the first session, but like, what, did, I think, what was your plan? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, that's kind of, a, I'm, I'm kind of glad you mentioned that. Cause honestly, the, I think there's, it's, it's hard to go into therapy and first of all, have the courage to say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to open up and be vulnerable with someone I just met. And I'm going to be super mm-hmm. vulnerable about an awkward topic. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't sit down next to someone on a bus and say, Hey, by the way, let me tell you, I'm struggling with pornography. Yeah. Right. And that's probably how it feels. You just met your counselor for the first time and you're like, Hey, by the way, uh, I use pornography and I don't know how to stop. So that's really awkward. And I'm not the type of therapist and, and I don't, I don't want to offer like one size fits all treatment. The reality is, is I'm not going to start dishing out uh, treatment. Like I'm a Pez dispenser. I, I want to know why Hayden is using pornography and I want to get to the roots of it. And the roots of it might be different from the last guy that I talked to. Um, and there's a lot of reasons why people use pornography. And so what typically happens is as a, as a therapist, the person doesn't realize necessarily, and maybe I, maybe I should have done a better job of explaining this when we first sat down, but and maybe you did. The, <laughs> the person usually doesn't realize that I'm not just shooting the breeze. I'm having a very purposeful conversation because I'm trying to get to know you. I haven't, I have not seen a movie of your life, so I don't know why you're where you are and, and what's giving you problems. So I need the person to open up and be vulnerable and, and help me understand that. And then we can dive in and start fixing the problem. So I, I think it's problematic to just like start dispensing like random advice. And I, and, and I'm going to, the reason I'm going to say that is because I think that's the experience that a lot of people receive, not just with counselors, with people that are well, well-intentioned, like people want to say, well, you need to do this and you need to try this. And the reality is, is, uh, they may have very nuanced reasons for why they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and I figured that out later on, there were a lot of, as we had our discussions and we kind of dove in more of to why I was using pornography, there were a lot of reasons that I never really knew if they were connected or not. And I, I found that as, you know, Bo would give me little assignments to go do and I would do them that slowly, I just, all of it started to make a little bit more sense. And one thing that I really appreciated, I'm a, I'm a very logical guy. Like I love science. I love, um, logic. It's just, it's my favorite. Uh, and it was really awesome to hear the science, the science behind it and to feel like it was being treated on like a scientific level, but that he didn't divorce it from the gospel. Because at the end of the day, if we believe that the reason we can change and become better is through the atonement of Jesus Christ, then there's no reason to just give it another name. Let's just call it for what it is. It is through Jesus Christ that you're going to be solved. The science, that might, that might be just like the physical reasons and the physical way that that happens and that is carried out. But if it wasn't for the atonement and grace of the Lord, then all of our, all of our hard work would just be futile in the end. And I really appreciated that there was no, there's no divorce from it, um, from those two, two sides of the coin. 
I want to, I want to say something about that. So when someone comes into counseling, a lot of times we, we have that kind of general view of the gospel where we say, okay, well, I believe in Jesus Christ as my savior. And the problem is I'm not feeling saved. Like I'm, I'm, yeah, I understand that perhaps he can heal someone else from pornography addiction, but it's certainly not working for me. And no one would say this out loud because, you know, we don't want to be the one that's that offensive towards Jesus, but no one's going to say, uh, Jesus, you're not working for me or your, your atonement isn't working for me. But the truth is we also don't like the idea of looking in the mirror and going, wait, so the deficit might be on my side. (laughs) And if so, yikes. What do I have to do about that? And so part of the reason why you start therapy out that way is because you're saying, how do I get to the root of not only like the background of why they're doing this, but then let's look at some of the things related to the gospel and say, you know, the, the Lord has very specific promises about delivering people from bondage. And he always keeps his word. He's a man of his word. So if he says he'll do it, he'll do it. So if you're not being delivered from bondage, if you're struggling with pornography addiction, for example, and it's not going away then you should go back and look at the recipe that Christ has provided and say, what am I missing? I love this. And I just think for listeners, what I'm feeling right now is I just want these two to continue just to tell their story. Mm -hmm. Um, Just over the course of this first visit, it just feels like getting to get to know each other, but has a purpose as Bo was saying. But I love that you're trying to understand, you know, you're trying to get to know Hayden. Mm-hmm. And you're trying, I love this. I'm trying to understand the roots of this. So it's sort of, I'm tr- it's Steve Covey's, you know, understand before I, that's not, I'm paraphrasing his mm-hmm. learn before you prescribe or mm-hmm. yeah, I know see, first about. understand. And so it seems to be a great deal of understanding, even though you have a general idea of probably the general tools you will use for, for Hayden, you, you're guarded, not guarded. You're just I want to first totally understand the totality of this situation mm-hmm. before I sort of kick in full therapy mode. Mm-hmm. So just keep walking us through this series yeah. of visits. Yeah. On my end, I, one thing that I, I think is really powerful about, you know, seeing a counselor is that it's in some ways it's easier to see your progress. And I, I never really thought about this until we're just talking about it right now. But as I, as I look back, I, you know, I'd come in, one week and he would ask me about how my week was going and and he would even say hey i feel like that you've had this change in the way that you're viewing this and this like the way you're talking is different and it was just so it it, it made me feel because even with an accountability partner they're so in it with you like every single day like sometimes it's hard to like get that fresh view but a lot of times when you're seeing a counselor it's almost like looking in a mirror and they're trying, cause that's really, I feel like what a counselor is trying to do is they're trying to just, they're trying to help you understand your current situation. That way you can, you know, move forward and, and create a better situation. And it was so helpful to just, to just come in week after week. And there were some weeks where I, I really struggled and he helped put it in perspective. And, and then there were weeks where I had an awesome week and he, he reinforced that. and. It was just, it was so great to have someone who isn't um, invested in the other aspects of my life that I could just talk bluntly and straightforward to, and then he could do the exact same thing to me. That's a, I want to, I have a couple <laughs> thoughts. So the first thing is, is uh, you, you can't smell your own stink. 
<laughs> right? Like you, you, you work out and you're sweaty and, and you're kind of used to your own stink. And so there's, there's a problem with that, right? And then you come in from your workout and your wife says, you know, you really ought to go take a shower. You, you stink, right? Well, essentially that's, that's what the Lord does for all of us. You know, you, you get ether 12 and you're saying, you know, come to me and I'll show you your weakness. I don't, I don't want to go to a therapist to tell me how amazing I am. I don't want to go to the dentist to have him tell me that my teeth are white. I don't want to go to the, the personal trainer to have him tell me that I'm in shape. I want them to find the thing I'm missing and help me fix it, right? Well, if I'm going to engage in that process, that's a pretty, that's a pretty sobering process. You know, I've got to be meek mm-hmm. and I've got to be willing to take that criticism. The other thing I'd say, speaking to what Hayden just said is, um, when you, you think about Hayden dealing with this on a daily basis, struggling through it, well, let's say he's only coming in once a week. So I see him for an hour. If he's coming in every other week, that's one hour every two weeks. Well, that to me, as the counselor sitting on the couch, that almost feels like a TV episode. So I, I sit down with Hayden and I go very quickly, I go, wow, Hayden feels different than the last time I talked to him. And so for me, it's very easy to see progress happening or, or not happening. And for him, where he's seeing himself in the mirror every single day, he's looking at himself like, am I really progressing? So I think it does help to have an outside perspective, someone that can look at it and go, you know what, Hayden, like you really ought to change this. This is an area where I, I see you're struggling. Or even on the flip side to say, hey man, give yourself some credit. I see you making progress and, and this is how I see it. Because we're, frankly, we're not a very good judge of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even though, you know, as Bo was saying, a big job of a counselor is to kind of, yeah, like say, this is how you stink a little bit. You know, I never felt discouraged after I only felt encouraged. Like there were times every single session I left from. And I think this, I think part of that comes from obviously the counselor, but also someone going in, like if you're humble and you're going in and you're looking for change, then when you leave that, like, I, I just remember just feeling just like, always so spiritually amped, ready to take on another week until my next session. Um, but I'll just kind of explain a little bit about how I, I came about paying for these sessions. Cause I, I feel like it is a really, some really cool symbolism there. But um, so at the time I was doing freelance video production. And so what that meant is like, I would maybe get a job that paid a few thousand dollars and I was good for a while, but then I had to find another job and I was, I was responsible for finding jobs and making money, which is kind of scary. And so I, there were times where, yeah, it would have been easy to pay a hundred bucks a, a week, but then there were times where it's like, no, I need that hundred bucks or I'm not going to be able to eat, you know? And obviously I parent, my parents would help me out, but you know, you're trying to be an independent person. And I also had that, that, that prompting, like you need to, you need to foot the bill for this, um, to show that you're serious. And so I called up a, a family friend and he works construction. And I was just like, I need to make a hundred bucks, 110 bucks a week or something like that. Will you help me do that? And, um, he's like, yeah, I have some work you can come. And he was building like this huge, this huge, like mansion up in uh, Heber. And it was about an hour and a half drive. And he was just like, I just need you to come and just clean up once a week. Just clean up all the lumber, all the concrete, sweep out the whole thing. And like this thing was huge. And so it literally took me 10 hours. And I would, for 10 hours a week, driving an hour and a half up, an hour and a half back. And it was, it was getting to become winter. So it was cold and miserable. Um, And I just remember like one day I was in that, in that place and I was cleaning it 
And I just had this spiritual, just the spirit punched me in the gut. And I just saw the symbolism of me going up there and cleaning this place so that I could allow the Savior to clean me. And I just, I loved that. And I, I came to just love the Savior even more and to love the process even more. And I feel like that's a huge thing. And I, I say this all the time is like, fall in love with the process of repentance because it's so fulfilling. And you don't have to be at the end of the road in, in order to enjoy the road that you're on. And, and I really felt that. And so I think a lot of people, you may, you may be thinking, you know, I can't foot the bill for counseling or I can't do this or that. Make the sacrifice because it will, it will allow you to learn things that you couldn't have otherwise. And it will just, it will allow that, that humility and that humility that you gain from it will just allow the grace to seep into your life and change you. That's a, that's an interesting point because like, if you say, I'm going to have some buy-in, right? Like you can have buy-in in in multiple ways. I mean, obviously uh, Hayden mentioned one specific way that he, he had buy-in that worked for him, but I want you, uh, like, I want you to think about this. Like if you said, um, how, how do people show up, not even just with their counselor, let's talk about with Jesus. How does someone show up to the Savior with healing? And it's interesting because, you know, you might get someone who goes, hey, Jesus, I, I understand that you're the Savior, and I understand that you can heal, but I'm, I'm just not sure that you can heal my thing. I believe you can heal someone else's thing, but I think my thing is too big. So that might be guy A, okay? Then you get guy B, who's the guy who would come in and say, good, uh, Jesus, you're here. And then he immediately lays down like a dead fish and says, all right, Jesus, go to work, fix my life. Okay. And then maybe you got guy C who comes in and he goes, uh, Jesus, uh, I feel really bad. And, and, you know, I don't want you to have to clean this up. So just sit tight and I'll clean it up. I'll, I'll, I'll fix it. You know, I'll, I'll make sure we got this taken care of. And, and I'm probably, you know, there's probably a, a ton other ways that people show up. But the reality is, is like how you show up matters a lot. How you show up matters a lot, especially in the counseling process. You can imagine if I'm a counselor and I'm sitting there and I just saw eight clients in a row, how all day long, the feeling of the person walking in the room changes quite a bit, depending on how they show up. Someone might sit down and and kind of flop on the couch and say, okay, fix me. Right. Or even worse, entertain me. Right. And then uh, someone else comes in and they're very hungry. And it doesn't, it doesn't take very long as the therapist to see where the person is as far as like their desire to change. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to speak about a client for a minute. I'll speak about me. I've tried the attempt where you pray a lie, where you say, hey, Heavenly Father, I really, I really want you to fix this. And he's like, no, you don't. You don't want me to fix it, right? Or, or the time where I'm like, hey, Heavenly Father, like, here's this one thing. And he's like, what about that other thing you're hiding in your back pocket? And I'm like, no, don't pay attention to that, Jesus. I, I only want you to focus on this thing, right? Um, but I can, I can honestly say this. He's never once been fooled. That's for sure. And the other thing is, uh, every single time, 100% of the time that I've gone to him and I've been for real, sincere, not hiding anything and willing to do it his way, 100% of the time, he's healed me. He's helped me. I can tell you, the times that I play games, the times that I think I'm the boss, the times that I think I'm going to tell him how we should do it. Those are the times where 0% of the time I get healed or I get helped. 
I love that. Um, that's a really good segment. Hayden said something, um, and I think Bo reinforces. Hayden walked in and says, "I'm looking for change," and I love this. I love that mindset, and I think that's a great mindset for anybody going that everybody should have as they're going to meet with anybody looking for improvement. <clears throat> I love this principle of skin in the game, and I, re- I recognize with Bo that could be in different areas. You may not need to have, in your situation, it may not be financial skin in the game. That may, but I would invite listeners that are working to solve pornography to figure out what, what way you can have skin in the game in this and to act on the spiritual impressions you get on what is right for you, because I love what that did for you, Hayden. Now, there's a lot of listeners probably listening right now and saying, okay, will you go in the weeds a little bit? Give me some stuff to solve this for me. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk, both of you just kind of talk about, obviously, from the first visit to when you meet, quit meeting, meet, meeting Bo, your pornography use went from wherever it was to in a whole different place. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if at that point it had completely ended. Um, or, so... And I know you've been to a lot of people, and so there was something, you've been to other places before, but something unique happened here mm-hmm. in this in this relationship, this, you know, counselor, ther- this client therapy um, relationship. So talk about that. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let, me, let me start real quick with that. So um, it's, it's difficult because you don't want to give the impression right. that, it's, that this you're is like... The six steps. Yeah, exactly. For every yeah. listener, and you'll be where Hayden is. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly, because... A big, you know, Hayden, Hayden, uh, said it very clearly. Like the Hayden didn't get healed because he came to, to Bo Bushai at Cobalt Counseling. Hayden healed because he went to Jesus Christ. Right. I just was lucky enough that I got to walk that path with him for a few minutes during his journey, you know, and, and, and help him with whatever I could on the way to mm-hmm. doing what Jesus wanted him to do. Well, the other thing is not everyone starts at the place where Hayden was. Right. So, you know, there's some people who have, uh, pornography and like, if I would say like the, 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 probably the biggest net for people to use pornography is avoidance. Okay. So, and I'm, I'm going to, I'll give you some general ones and then we'll, I'm going to ask Hayden and he can tell you more specific. And you're kind of talking about the roots of it, this sure. term you used earlier yep. that I really like Bo. Yeah. I like the idea of getting to the roots. Cause for example, um, I've found that a lot of people that, that mean well, that want to help with the pornography problem, they tend to kind of, to get the clippers out and just nip at the dandelions. Right. We're saying, you know, quit, quit, you know, maybe like just uh, get rid of your cell phone. And maybe, you know, we, we, some things that yes, can be a part of your recovery, but like the re- the reality is, is the heart needs to change. Okay. Like if the heart doesn't change, it doesn't really matter if you put your cell phone in the other room or if you, whatever, like we really need to get to the core of the heart. So when I say get to the roots, well, I can't, I can't assume that the roots that we worked on in Hayden's recovery are the same as like the roots as the next guy that's going to come into my office. Someone might be using pornography because as a child, uh, they were molested and they're having sexually reactive behaviors from the time they're a kid. Someone else might be coming into uh, counseling for pornography because their pornography use is due to avoidance. Like they're saying, um, I, I really have a hard time coping with stress. And it turns out that pornography is a great uh, analgesic. And it can numb me. And then I, at least for the brief moment that I'm uh, viewing it, I don't have to feel. And so like, that's very different from the, the case of the first guy that I just talked about. Right. So if you're just going to like start dispensing advice, like a vending machine, and you don't understand the reason why the person's doing it, then you're not going to get very far. So I'd say generally, those are some, some general things of why counseling is an, is an important part of this. 
but I'm going to let like Hayden, what do you think? Like what's. Yeah. I, while you were talking, it reminded me of uh, this quote from C.S. Lewis that I love. It's a, it's a, it's kind of a, a little long. It'll take me about a minute to read. Um, but I think it explains what you're saying exactly. And I love, I, it was so freeing when I realized that I was not a victim to pornography, but that I was the problem. <laughs> and it sounds funny, but it's really freeing because I can't change my environment and my surroundings necessarily. In a lot of ways, the the world is way bigger than me, but I can change myself. And if I'm the problem, then that's good because that means I can, I can, I can control me. It's really a, it's kind of a helpful and that's a, that's a helpful thing to even like, let's say you're married and your and your marriage is not well, it's not going well. You better hope that it's your fault that your marriage sucks. You know why? Because you can't control your spouse. You can't control your environment, but you can control you. So if it's your fault, then that's awesome. But, um, I really think that, well, hold up. Is it just out of curiosity? Uh-huh. Is it ever not you? Like yeah, if you think I know, about it, like if thing. you, if you, we, we do that thing where we say, Lord, is it I? Mm-hmm. And you go, honestly, like, of course it's you. <laughs> have you ever asked him and had it been anyone else but you? Uh-huh. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, is it the Lord? Right. Like you think it's going to be the Lord? Yeah. But yeah, there's so many. And I think a lot of times the reason why we, we would stay away from facing some of these bigger problems like pornography and why a lot of people just kind of give into it is because it's going to require a lot of change in a lot of different areas of their life. And C.S. Lewis explains this perfectly. This is out of uh, Mere Christianity, which is one of my favorite books of his. And C.S. Lewis is like, he's like my hero, but my literary hero. And uh, this is what he says. And he's talking about, um, you know, the Lord's, uh, the Lord's commandment to be therefore perfect, even as he is perfect. And uh, he talks about how sometimes this can um, bring us, bring us down and make us feel hopeless. But then he says this, let me explain. When I was a child, I often had a toothache, and I knew that if I went to my mother, she would give me something which would deaden the pain for that night and let me get to sleep. But I did not go to my mother, at least not till the pain became very bad. And the reason I did not go was this. I did not doubt that she would give me the aspirin, but I knew she would also do something else. I knew she would take me to the dentist the next morning. I could not get what I wanted out of her without getting something more which I did not want. I wanted immediate relief from pain, but I could not get it without having my teeth set permanently right. And I knew those dentists. I knew they started fiddling about with all sorts of other teeth, which had not yet begun to ache. They would not let sleeping dogs lie. If you gave them an inch, they took a mile. Now, if I may put it that way, our Lord is like the dentist. If you give him an inch, he will take a mile. Dozens of people go to him to be cured of one particular sin, which they are ashamed of, like masturbation or physical cowardice, or which is obviously spoiling daily life, like bad temper or drunkenness. Well, he will cure it all right, but he will not stop there. That may be all you ask, but if once you call him in, he will give you the full treatment. That is why he warned people to count the cost before becoming Christians. Make no mistake, he says, if you let me, I will make you perfect. The moment you put yourself in my hands, that is what you are in for. Nothing less or other than that. You have free will, and if you choose, you can push me away. But if you do not push me away, understand this, that I am going to see this job through. 
whatever suffering it may cost you in your earthly life, whatever inconceivable purification it may cost you after death, whatever it costs me, I will never rest nor let you rest until you are literally perfect, until my Father can say without reservation that he is well pleased with you, as he said, he was well pleased with me. This I can do and will do, but I will not do anything less. And I mean, that's what I've experienced is that, you know, every, everything, all of our bad habits are so interconnected and all of our good habits are interconnected as well. That in order to improve one, you really have to improve all of them. And, and that's what I found going with Bo is that he, he was focused on the, on the porn problem when we would go, when I would, when I would talk to him, but really he, he would talk about my relationship with God, how I viewed the plan of salvation and my role in it, how, and, and all of these things all played a role, how I viewed myself and, and my worth in, in the sight of God. And, and that's really, um, I think the, the power that came from me going to these counseling sessions is that I improved a lot of facets of my life, which allowed me to get control of the, of the pornography. Powerful quote. Yeah. So just, just thinking about that in terms of, um, I want to go back to, I want to, I want to touch on the word addiction for a second. So I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this because we're talking about general, um, you know, here's, here's kind of Hayden's experience and here's how it worked for him. And there, there, and I hope there's some parts of this that are, that are highly applicable to you. Certainly, uh, using the atonement of Jesus Christ is a universal principle that's applicable to everyone. Um, however, I, I, I firmly believe that not everyone is addicted. Not everyone, like, I want to just get that out there. There, there, we kind of have different, um, definitions here. Like if we said the clinical definition of addiction, uh, when it comes to pornography, will actually uh, the DSM, which is the manual that therapists use, there's, they currently haven't put pornography addiction in the manual. And a big part of that is because the world doesn't really see a problem with it. The world is saying, well, who cares? Mm-hmm. Right. Whatever. And so, okay. So you've got like one group that's saying, this is not a, this is not a thing. We're not worried about that. Right. And then you have, you know, obviously prophets of God have made it very clear that th- th- this is not this is not Christ-like behavior. This is not helping us become like Christ. And we're talking about... Um, I actually like the way you just frame that up, by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're like talking about becoming you like You took a Christ. lot of shame out of that right there, Bo. Yeah. So the, the truth is, um, some people will come into my office and they'll say, oh, I've got a pornography addiction. And I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't really care about the label, right? Like if you're, if you're someone who's like so addicted that you can't stop, great. Let's start there and let's work with that. Or if you're someone who's like, just worked your butt off and you're about to break through and you're just lacking one little thing just to like break the plateau. Great. The, to me, the label is not really important, right? The the more important thing is if we're talking about, um, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to add this to Hayden's quote, because he's saying CS Lewis said he he's going to make you perfect right now. The problem is we, we may be okay with mediocrity, but he's not like he's he like, I heard this. I can't remember where I heard this before, but I'm not going to take credit for this. Cause this to me is a, such a beautiful thing. What I heard was, uh, someone said, you know, the worst thing that could happen to you is God could leave you alone. You don't want that. You know? And I think sometimes we make that mistake as we're saying kind of like CS Lewis's quote, no, no, I only want you to fix this one thing. 
I don't want you to, I don't want you to go deeper and try to fix these other things. I'm actually okay with those things. The reality is, is if we took a long, hard look in the mirror, we, we'd probably admit that we're not okay being mediocre and we're not okay being, you know, unvirtuous or, or, or any other ways that we don't measure up to the stature of Christ. So, uh, and I'm, and I'm going to specifically say this about pornography. So pornography works actually very well to numb. Okay. So if you're the, if you're the person who's having a bad day or you're the person who the medical bills are stacking up or, you know, my, my, my sex life isn't that great. And, and, you know, I'm, I just come home to the messy house and the kids are yelling and I can't handle it. And whatever it is, that's just feels like it's too much to handle. The, the, the problem here is pornography works really well at numbing. Mm-hmm. That's why I called it an analgesic because, you know, the adversary knows, Hey, just, just give him a dose of that. And he'll forget about his problems. Now he doesn't give you the, the little surgeon general's warning label that says, you know, turns out it didn't actually solve anything because mm-hmm. once the numbing wears off, the problem you were avoiding is still there. And now you've got some additional problems. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of a, a, a clever deception. Mm-hmm. So talk, um, go down just a couple steps further. It sounds like you gave Hayden some plans and some homework. So talk to those that are listening that recognize this as avoidance, a numbing behavior. They could turn to gaming. They could turn to eating. They could turn to lots of different money behavior, numbing. Mm-hmm. They Pornography use is a big part of their life right now. Just talk to them on a, and you're doing this just on a practical level, give, you know, just give them some ways to, to, and, and you're also talking to why I say bishops right now and homeward bishops that are looking for, like, I need some, more tools in my toolbox right now because most people I'm working with aren't making the kind of progress that Hayden's making. Sure. Has made. So I'll, how, how about this? I'll speak to the general populace and, you know, the general condition and I'll let Hayden speak to the specifics of his okay. case mm-hmm. out of respect to his, yeah. you know, his, his unique situation. So uh, to the general populace, I'd say, um, you know, you, you do need to get to your specific roots. That's the first thing. And the plan I'm not going to hand someone a generic plan and say, you know, session one through three, we're going to do this and session, you know, five, six, and seven, we're going to do this. The reality is, is, uh, I'm going to meet you where you are. So if you come and sit on my couch and overall we're working on pornography, but you come into my office and the real issue we're having with that day is honesty. Well, then we're going to talk about honesty. We're going to talk about how your dishonesty being braided into your pornography use is giving you problems. And so we're going to focus on that. Or if you come and sit in my office and the real issue that day is pride and you're, and you're not going to the savior or you're not doing it his way. I kind of joke with some people. I say, you know, you can't, you can't go into God's office building, take the secretary hostage, kick the door in with a gun to the secretary's head and say, all right, Jesus, sit down. I'm going to, I'm calling the shots. Here's how it's going to go. And then expect to get better. Mm-hmm. Right. And no one, and, and I'm saying it so bluntly because I want it to stick in someone's mind. We like that about you, yeah. Bo. <laughs> Don't stop. <laughs> yeah. Here's the reality. No one would willingly admit that that's what they're doing. But what else do you call it when you're the one telling God how recovery is going to go? Mm-hmm. And, and just to, to piggyback off that and then to also just address something else that Bo said, um, that we learned from that, you know, that C.S. Lewis quote kind of reinforces it and also... Uh, we just kind of learned this in the scriptures that, that God isn't okay with us being mediocre, but he is everlastingly long suffering. 
So, and he doesn't care. He doesn't care about where we are. He cares about which way we're facing, which way we're walking. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if we're on our hands and knees, taking one step every, or taking one bound every, you know, 10 minutes or whether we're sprinting down the path. He just cares that we're moving in the right direction. And so the Lord's not going to help you to stay mediocre. Um, but he, he is going to be patient with you in the process. And that's what I felt because um, I, and I talked about this and I don't know if I've shared this earlier, but I really think that one of the the key reasons why I turned to pornography and why it became so big is I always just had this nagging voice in the back of my head. I don't know where it came from. It didn't come. I don't think it came from my upbringing or my parents or anything because they were nothing but loving and great to me. And I've been so blessed in that way, but I always just had this little voice in my head that just said, you're ugly. You're unlovable. Like if anyone knew who you truly were, they just, they wouldn't have anything to do with you. And I've always been quick to love. Like I'm really quick to loving people and really quick to forgiving, but I just never thought that anyone could be that way with me. And so like that was constantly just nagging in the back of my head. And I really think that, you know, pornography never rejects you. It's always there beckoning and it's a hundred percent in your control. And, and Bo talked about how, you know, you might have all these factors in your life that are out of your control. You know, if there's problems with your, your sex life or with your marriage or your kids are crazy or work is bad or just all these things that aren't completely in your control, pornography's exactly in your control. You can literally type anything you want on there and find something like it. But just like anything else, it's like, it's like drinking salt water. You just, you're never going to quench your thirst. You're never going to quench your thirst. And you know, it's wet and it's cold. and It, it feels like it's, 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 it, it will, it will quench your thirst, but it really won't, you know? And I feel like that's, that's really how it was with me. And I, I really learned some amazing things about myself and about my relationship with God. And, and Bo was the first person that I ever openly told that to about. He was the first person that I ever said, you know what, I've, I've always struggled with thinking that someone could love me. I always had a, had a poor self-image. And in high school, I cared, to, like I would do anything for attention. I, I fell under peer pressure a lot. And I just did a lot of stupid things uh, because of that. And to be able to finally just tell that to someone and and start to work it out, I think it was key to to my success. That and and then the last thing um, that I want to say in relation to this, and Bo talked about it earlier, is that it wasn't Bo, it wasn't my stake president, it wasn't my you know my twelve step accountability partner, it wasn't anyone else, but the Lord Jesus Christ, and. Bo just did a great job at pointing to Jesus Christ and pointing to Jesus Christ. I never left his office wondering what my source of healing would come from. I always knew that the source of healing was Jesus Christ. And I think that's so much better than just saying that, oh, you just have to follow these steps and scientifically your brain's going to heal and you just have to like be implementing these things and and then all of a sudden you're going to be good. But I always knew the source um, was going to be Jesus Christ and is Jesus Christ. Dude, that might be the best compliment anyone's ever given me. <laughs> um, I, w- I would add 
my second witness to that. Yes, absolutely. I don't want credit for healing anyone. Like the reality is, is I just feel fortunate that, that Christ lets me be a participant at all. Right. The other thing is you, you mentioned, uh, you know, what would, what would you say to the listeners that are, uh, bishops or, you know, stake presidents or, or people that are involved in trying to help ward members to heal? Um, I would say the same thing. Like it, it doesn't need to be, uh, first of all, if you're a bishop listening, if you're a stake president listening, there's nothing wrong with collaborating with your counselor. You know, I've, I've got, I don't know how many, a lot over the, over the course of, you know, almost a decade now, how many bishops I've worked with. 28,000 therapy sessions. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of therapy sessions. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and bishops are constantly turning over. So I've seen my fair share of, I've worked with my fair share of bishops and I can say uh, it's a different feel when you have a bishop call you and they say, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm new at this and you know, you're the professional. Can you please help me? And I, and I, I defer back to them and I say, you know, I do have the experience and the license to do this. And, but you also, you also wear that mantle and you have the, the responsibility to wear that mantle and, and to receive that sort of revelation for your ward member. But, you know, a, a judge in Israel, here's the case, you know? So you don't, if you're the, if you're the judge in Israel, there's nothing wrong with gathering information on the case. And part of gathering that information is talking to the therapist and saying, Hey therapist, you who, you know, has gone to all this school and done all this stuff. What do you think they need? And what, what could be of help? Um, Nothing's more frustrating to me as a therapist when I have that information that I'm willing to share and I've given my cell phone to the bishop and I'm saying, look, if you, if the client signs a release and they're willing to let me talk to you, I'm more than happy to kind of explain what's going on. Nothing's more frustrating to me than if I'm willing to do that and it's, it's not wanted or it's, you know, and I, and I, and I don't want to give the impression that I'm criticizing because the reality is I know how busy bishops are, but just know, uh, if you're if you're contributing to helping pay for the therapy, you should also expect to to be have you know having access to the therapist to talk and and be able to collaborate. So, I love that, and I would add just from my own experience as a singles ward bishop, I've mentioned is um, therapists taught me a lot about how to help. I didn't want to become the therapist. No one here is suggesting bishops should become the therapist, but. I love the principles that therapists taught me about how to help the Haydens that I had stewardship responsibility. And one of the, and just some basic ones you're talking on is this whole iceberg concept that if I just saw it was on top of the iceberg pornography use and didn't sort of put that on the shelf and go deeper to try to understand the roots of it, I, and just, it's back to just hacking at the weeds. Mm -hmm. And, and that was so, it was relieving for me because I, I recognized there was more going on here. And often it was a therapist could get to the weeds and sort of understand the roots and the person. But that, that principle was really helpful for me. So I wish I'd connected with therapists earlier, and I wish therapists came to our bishop's training sessions. I wish there—this is just a personal feeling—I wish there was a, a tighter link between therapists and bishops. Not that bishops need to become therapists, but there's principles of ministering that I only learn from talking to therapists mm -hmm. in kind of an informal way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, as And part of, you know, this teamwork that's needed. Mm -hmm. So I really love that. And I recognize sometimes I need to be open as a priesthood leader that I may need some skills that aren't in my tool bag. It just may not be the typical things I would lean to, like read, pray. Uh, there may be more need here than just those simple 
but important things. Hayden. I think it's important too that, I mean, the Lord teaches us in Doctrine and Covenants 29 that all things are spiritual unto him. And, you know, to, to treasure up in your mind, you know, the, you know, the scientific way that, that pornography affects the brain and, you know, maybe some of the other reasons psychologically that someone might struggle with it and some of the hurdles they have to make, understanding that is, is just as valuable as understanding the way the atonement works, the proper steps of repentance. It's, it's all part of one big whole. Like I said, you can't divorce the two or else it's going to be incomplete. And when we learn about the, you know, the science of the brain, the science of addiction, we're just learning the, we're learning the what. Uh, I don't know how to explain it other than, I mean, when Jesus performs a miracle, for example, it's, it's a miracle because we can't explain it, but there is a science behind it. There's, there's something that happens. It's, it's over our, when Jesus turned water to wine, something happens physically. We just don't understand it yet. Right. And so science is just us kind of dipping into like the how behind the way God works. And I think it's really important that the other thing that I, I want to share is that back diving into the, the Marine, the Marine and me, um, it can be really easy to just give like blanket answers. Like this is what you have to do. Read your scriptures, pray, um, pray for charity, these types of things. Right. And they're all, they're all necessary. Right. But in the Marine Corps, we have, they're called Marine Corps publications. And the most famous or my favorite one that I've read so far, and there's a bunch of them, is called war fighting. And it's just, it's pretty much just the doctrine of war fighting that spans across all time. It's just, it's kind of the basic principles of fighting wars. And that's what kind of, you know, sometimes we do is we give someone a pan or a book of war fighting when it comes to pornography. And we're like, all right, read this, apply the principles. And it's possible, but you know what? I want to, I want a pamphlet on how to fight ISIS to, I want a pamphlet, you know, because fighting ISIS versus fighting the NVA or, um, uh, Hitler's Germany, like it's different. And although the principles are universal, the application of them is different. And so we need to not just get comfortable with handing people just the, the basic doctrine that, that kind of undergirds it all the foundation, the foundation is important to have, and you need to understand that, but we need to understand the enemy, the specific enemy well enough where we can, you know, give, you know, symbolically a pamphlet on how to fight that and that enemy. You know what I'm saying? That's a, that's a good point. Uh, I have, I'll give you an example. Like one of the bishops that I work with, he'll, he'll call me up and he'll say, um, Hey Bo, I have a, I have a, a young man in my YSA that's struggling with this. Would you meet? And, it, and literally he'll say this, would you meet with him? And then after you've met with him once, give me a call and let's give me your thoughts on what you're seeing. And I'll give you my thoughts on what I'm seeing. And I like that style because then I can call him and I can say, Hey, here's what I'm seeing. And then from there he goes, well, what do you think it's going to take? You know, what, what do you think it's going to take for this guy? And I wish I, I wish I could say it accurately every time and just give you an exact number. But the reality is, is I can say, you know, roughly, I think this, this guy needs to work through this and this. And that might take this many sessions and let's work on that, but let's staff it and kind of see where he is because that's assuming that everything goes perfect, right? I'm not the only variable in the room. You know, how the client shows up is a huge variable, right? So if, if the person shows up and they say, I want to overcome pornography 
And if I had this generic one size fits all plan that I just hand them a laminated sheet and say, work on this, the reality is, is that's great. But what if you're really struggling with, you know, for example, pride is a common one. Like you're having a hard time letting Jesus be the savior, right? Mm -hmm. So until we get that piece out of the way, we're not really going to do the other thing yet. So what if that piece takes you three sessions or more, Mm -hmm. right? So then, you know, I may, I may go back to the bishop and say, we're really struggling with this piece. This is what we're stuck on, you know, and, and this is where we're going and there's purpose to it. There's purpose to our conversation. And the second part of the conversation is, I also want the bishop's feedback. I only get to see this person once a week. And so as long as I have the, the client signing a release that allows me to talk to the bishop, I would love that feedback to say, you know, uh, Bo, here's what I'm seeing when I met with him and here's, here's, here's what we're working on. But that takes, that takes the, you know, obviously the client has to sign the release and has to be willing to have that conversation, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference between um, kind of a teacher and a, and a lecturer. Like you can sit down because essentially a counselor, you're just teaching someone how to handle, you know, what they've been given and how to, how to take those things and make sense of them and then to react and act um, well. And, you know, I, I, I haven't been to college, but like my wife, she's in nursing school and, you know, there is a difference. She'll, she'll tell me stories about how like some of her professors will like make these, these strides where if she didn't do so well on an assignment or something, they'll email her and just be like, Hey, I saw that you kind of struggle with this. Is there something I can help you with? And they, they take the time to help her out. Right now, a lecturer they stand up in front of a class, they say all the information and all the information's correct, right? But then their students are going to come back with different grades. And if they're not willing to work with them personally one-on-one or try to teach the course curriculum in a way that is um, understandable to them, then they're not going to get the desired results, which is obtaining and understanding the, the curriculum, right? And it's just really important to not turn into a lecturer, to turn into someone who's like, oh, here's what has to happen. But a teacher asks questions. They listen to the answers. And then based on those answers, they ask other questions. Um, you know, if you've ever served a mission, you know exactly, you know, like chapter whatever and, and preach my gospel. It's just about asking questions and how powerful asking questions are. And so I think if I were to give some advice to, you know, any bishops and stake presidents is learn how to, by following the example of the savior, that the booklet that we have uh, actually in the church that's teaching the savior's way is incredible. And really like when you're sitting across from a member in your ward who's struggling with something, the answer is to teach them principles that they can apply and they'll understand that will allow them to repent. So you're teaching, that's really what you are. Like as a bishop, you're just a teacher, you're a representative of Jesus Christ. And that's, And I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, that's all it means to be a disciple. You're a student that turns into a teacher and finds more students. So really, I think that we all need to learn how to become better teachers, um, better listeners um, and understanders. Elder Bednar, be proud of you right now, because I think that is one of his key ministerial points is is to teach principles and let us govern ourselves Mm -hmm. and teach us how to learn for ourselves. I want to come back to a bunch of things. Yeah. Well, maybe. Um, 
I want you to give some real practical advice to this situation. I'm a young man or a young woman. I have enough awareness that this is a coping skill for stress or anxiety. So this isn't I'm an avoidance person. And I know, uh, and I get triggered, and I get triggered. It's situational. It's maybe, and I just give me some, and I know the Savior can help me, and I know, but I just need some kind of, just when the trigger starts, I need I need you to talk to me just to, I know the cycle's starting, but I'm not past the point of no return. You know what I mean? It's just, I call it the little chemical skill. One of the YSAs sort of said, it's Bishop, it's like the chemical spill. It just started and there's still agency there. I know I can move in a different direction, but I know if I keep going in this direction, my agency is going to be gone in about, you know, he just knows there's this little bit of time. So talk to that person right there. Just give them some real practical stuff. Yeah. So a lot of times when I talk to people who struggle with this problem, and a lot of times it is a coping mechanism, they're hesitant to, you know, put blocks on their phones or to take those type of steps because they're like, no, I need to learn how to handle this pornography problem, like independent of whether or not I have access. Like I just need to, I need to change myself in a way where I don't need pornography. And so they're hesitant to just put a block on their phone. But this is the way you have to look at it is, um, you know, Jesus Christ uh, in 3 Nephi 11, he actually, he says twice in a row, he says, become as a little child and repent and be baptized in my name. Like we need to become as little children and, and be humble. And sometimes you feel like a child when you put a, a block on your phone, when you go up to your wife or to your mom or to a friend, you're like, hey, will you put this block on my phone? And you just feel childish. And that means you're on the right step because Jesus said, become as a little child. Um, but what the, the reason why that's so important is because when you are in the cycle of pornography, um, it's kind of like if you go to Hawaii and you've just been tossed in this wave. Like if you've ever just like been in Hawaii where there's like huge waves or anywhere there's an ocean and you just get pummeled by a wave and you don't know which way's up and you're spinning around. And then finally you get your footing and you stand up out of the water, you cough the salt water out, and then another wave comes. And what happens is you never make any progress of getting out of that situation because you're just getting hit of wave after wave after wave. And so by applying practical things, you can, you can spread out that time with the, where those waves come. And, and you can at least have some clarity of thought by getting out of the, the, the cycle. And so I would say a, a really practical thing is get a roommate, uh, get a spouse, get your, um, your parents to just put a, a block on your phone. And if you're getting to pornographic images through Facebook or Instagram, suspend your accounts for a little bit. Like, cool. don't, don't it's part of being think, a yeah, child. it's part of being a little child it's about being, being humble. humble and meek. And what this will allow you to do is to start making moves. And I'm just going to finish up with a little, a little analogy and let Bo put in his, um, his knowledge. But um, in the Marine Corps, we have this thing, it's called um, fire and maneuver. And it's, it's pretty much like the basic foundation of how we fight wars. And what it means is that you are always firing at the enemy if you're moving. So you have, let's say you have two, two units. And Is this one like of them, suppression fire? Yeah, suppressing okay. fire. So yeah. it's called suppressing fire. And what you're doing when you're 
giving suppressing fire is you're not necessarily trying to hit the enemy. You're not trying to kill the enemy. You're trying to keep the enemy's head down. That way you, the other unit can maneuver. And then what happens is when that other unit maneuvers to an advantageous position, then they start firing on the enemy position, keeping the enemy's head down. And the other unit that was firing prior moves and slowly you bound back and forth. And we have this, we have this saying in the Marine Corps that is, um, movement without suppressing fire is suicide and um, suppressing fire without movement is a waste of ammo. And so what happens, and I think a lot of people recognize this, is you can't just be giving that suppressing fire and then not moving towards the enemy. You can't just put these blocks on your phone and think that all of a sudden the problem solved, right? But what you have to do is you have to you, you put those blocks on your phone and on your, on your devices so that the enemy's head can stay down so you can maneuver and start solving those other problems of why you're doing it, right? If you're stressed out all the time, if it's Find stress that leads to it, to deal with stress. Uh-huh. if it's poor self-image, um, like it was with me, uh, whatever the reasons are, whatever those roots are, those, those practical solutions um, such as putting a block on your phone. For me too, I always charge my phone out of my room. So I never, I, I charged it in the kitchen because I found out that in the mornings I was very vulnerable. If I like woke up and I just got on my phone, started scrolling, I was really vulnerable at those moments. So I charge it somewhere else. I bought an alarm clock. You can still buy them. They're on Amazon. I promise. <laughs> um, you don't need your phone. And, and it is by doing those practical things, keeping the enemy's head down that allows you to maneuver and, and, and I think maybe Bo can talk about kind of what that maneuver looks like. For you sure. have a gift, Hayden, of bringing in the military and the Marines. <laughs> Keep doing that. All right, I will. Um, that's a beautiful, that visual imagery um, in the context of this is one of your gifts in this space. Thank Bo. you. I agree. Um, so the, the movement part that Hayden was talking about in the suppressing fire would be, first of all, you've got to give your time, your brain time away from pornography. So there needs to be a period of, of letting your brain not have those habitual neural pathways. Um, a person who can say and explain this way better than me is Dr. Hilton. He has a book called He Restoreth My yeah. Soul. Mm-hmm. So he, he goes into it in that beautiful. book quite a bit. It's beautiful explanations. He's a, he's a, I believe he's a neural, uh, either a surgeon or a neurobiologist or something. So very, you know, well-read and well-researched on the topic of the brain. Um, his basically the idea is how is, how is my brain supposed to disconnect these connections that I've made over repetitious behavior, right? Well, I certainly need to give it time and I'm going to make the analogy of like a road or, or like a trail on the path, right? So walking the path over and over again, right? Of course the trail is going to be maintained. Well, eventually if you stop walking that path, nature will take it back and the plants and, and weeds and whatnot will grow back in. So think of the brain kind of like a a mountain trail. Mm -hmm. Okay. You've created a mountain trail system in your head and the, and, and I'm talking basic human connection between stress. I'm I'm speaking to the group. That's the, the, uh, avoidance group, the avoidance group. Thank Mm -hmm. you. So the avoidance group that, that has made certain connections that they say, you know, it's been a hard day. I deserve having a little treat. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to tap out. Right. So that group, you do that over and over again, and it doesn't take long where your brain is essentially saying, hey, it's a stressful day. I know what that means. Where's my, where's my cookie, right? I'm ready, right? And so then the person is kind of feeling this strong pull towards the pornography, 
Well, the reality is, is they're, they're feeling a strong pull towards certain neurochemicals on their brain that are saying, yeah, it does feel good to get a little bit of a high, right? So what, what Hayden's talking about with this suppressing fire is basically saying, if you're, if you're not in a position yet where your brain has had the chance to recover, you may need to lay down some suppressing fire, such as putting your phone in the other room or, you know, deleting your social media accounts or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is that's the, the area where Getting you're a vulnerable. flip phone. I know people have gotten yes. flip phones for a while. Yep. So those things may be a necessary uh, part of your recovery so that there can be a period where the brain can be free of the pornography use. And you, and, and this is essentially important. And I want to, I want to bring, this is the part where I know, like Hayden was saying, I kind of want to marry the science with the gospel for a second. Okay. Uh, if you're, if you're serious about discipleship, okay. And you really, and you do really want to become like Christ. It's not going to take long before you realize that you actually don't like pornography. You're going to, it's, it's not going to take long in those quiet moments where you go, you know what? I, I do feel dirty. And I, and I don't like the way I feel. And it kind of actually bothers me that, that every time I'm around a pretty young lady, I can't help but check out her body. And, you know, it, it doesn't feel good to do that. I'd like to get to the point where I'm not that guy, right? Well, there's, there's a point in the gospel where you're saying, do you, number one, do you believe that Jesus Christ can heal you? And number two, will you let him, you know? And I think, I think those are kind of the two biggest obstacles because you say, number one, uh, a lot of people are kind of in that first group that I was telling you about saying, well, Jesus Christ can heal. You know, we talk about it at church and I, and I know somebody's saying they're getting healed, but I think mine might be too big because I've tried a lot of things to overcome pornography. When you say heal, do you, are you talking about the repentance process? Or are you talking about the healing part of the atonement that just heals outside of repentance? I don't, or do you even separate those two? I was going to say for me, I don't, I, I really don't see the difference. Okay. Like the reality is, is, uh, if, and I, I'm glad you asked that because this is an interesting question. Sometimes people will say to me, um, do you think it's really possible that I can overcome pornography? And they, they kind of like, it's kind of like saying, well, in what sense? Like, are you saying that pornography is not going to exist? Then no, because pornography is going to exist in the world around you. Right. Or are you saying, uh, that you, you no longer feel temptations because I think that, you know, maybe, you know, that temptation may circle around and knock on the door and then you're going to have a chance to say, yeah, come on in or no, thank you. Or are you saying I'm now free from this thing that I used to, you know, compulsively engage in that I couldn't put down. And so when I'm talking healing, I'm saying becoming like Christ in the sense of Christ is virtuous. Christ, like, let's be really blunt about this for a second. Christ doesn't check out every girl in the room, you know? Christ is not uh, engaging in pornographic behavior. Christ is, if I'm going to be more blunt, his spirit is in control of his body, which means his spirit is in control of his sexual appetites, which means his sexual appetite doesn't drive what he does. He drives his body, right? And so you say, I want that. I want to be in control of my body. And that's why I was referring to the quiet moments when you say, yeah, when, when certainly when the guy is engaging in the pornography or the masturbation and he's on the high He's, he's not really thinking about the fact that, you know, that's somebody's daughter or that's somebody's mom or that's somebody's sister or, or, you know, heavenly father's daughter. Right. But what happens is guys will describe to me, they'll say, okay, after the act, then there comes this moment and, and guys will, they're pretty blunt. They'll say things like, I feel like a bucket of crap. Yeah. You know, like I feel like I need a shower, mm-hmm. you know, and you go, 
well, good. I'm, I'm glad you feel that way. Cause the, the scarier thing to me was, would be if you engaged in this and you didn't feel that way. Good. Right. Like how, how beautiful is it that, that we, we do feel guilty, right? Because that guilt is a sign to me that something's bothering my spirit mm-hmm. and I, and, and I need to fix it. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Do, do you want to add something? I was just going to say that, um, I, I have this, this, um, this note that I wrote down one time during my study that, that applies to this of, um, so you recognize that yet you're, what you're doing is wrong. Right. And, and as you become more of a disciple of Christ, you want to be more like him, but recognizing that true principles are true isn't enough. And, and what I mean is, and this is the quote that I have is character does not change upon the mere recognition and acceptance of true principles as being true, but upon the recognition and acceptance that a life lived in accordance with true principles is within your grasp. And that's kind of what you have to get to is like, you have to start to believe that you can be the type of person that doesn't look at porn. And that is, that takes some time, but it it comes as you start to understand kind of the science behind it. As you, as you start to understand who Christ is and what he thinks of you and what he thinks of porn and your relationship with porn. And, and once you do that, then you start to actually believe that, you know what, I can, I can live without, I can live these type of principles. Well, and, and I want to add one thing about the, the whole idea of like the guy sitting there in the quiet moment after and going, ah, oh, I feel so dirty. I don't like this. The reality is, is that's not just, that's not the end of it. The other part is, um, do you really want to be the guy who can't handle the stress? Like, do you really want to be the guy that has to run to pornography? Like, when I talk to guys and they, they're, they're, they're in that category, they'll say things to me like, I hate this. I hate that I can't handle a stressful day without wanting to turn to that. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's not just the pornography that's the problem. It's also the avoidance that's the problem. You know? And then there's other categories. Like some, some relationships, for example, uh, if we're talking like a marriage, maybe there's another problem called dishonesty, right? Or for some of these uh, people that are trying to figure out how to recover, maybe the problem is pride. So I, I, that's why I it's, that. it's nuanced, right? I love the word nuance. Um, a few, th- I haven't, you've heard me talk about my Ensign article listeners. It's on page 72 of the October Ensign. It's, it's not as, it's just seven tips for overcoming porn use. But a couple of these we've hit a little bit that I just want to come back to. Point number one, know that you are a child of heavenly parents who love you. And here's Hayden who on paper, you know, has just got everything going for him, but being honest with how he felt about himself in high school. And I Mm -hmm. questioned my worth. I think a lot of us do that. A lot of you do that. And I think you've just got to look at your worth is set, you know, that heavenly parents love you. That's not earned. And that is set. And I think that puts you in a better spot to get better help from heavenly parents and feel you're worthy of their help. And that doesn't take um, commandment keeping. It just, I think, puts you in a better spot to think you're... Um, point number three is um, don't be quick to use the label of addiction. Bo talked about that. Point number four, we haven't talked about it in any of these podcasts. Is something that uh, probably a therapist taught me is create a rich, a written personal prevention plan. And it was this idea, and maybe you have some thoughts on this, is that I've always felt that you have a great power in your brain that when you're triggered, if you've written down this prevention plan and the cognitive part of your brain 
can kind of hang in there while you're triggered. And you've got this written prevention plan with the fourth or five things you've got to do before you act out, mm-hmm. that that can really help you. And if you keep writing into that prevention plan, especially when you don't act out and kind of go through what worked, then I think you're more enabling yourself when you get triggered again to not act out. And then if you do act out, add to your prevention plan, go back and think what happened different this time. Mm-hmm. Was it five days of not scripture study that caught up with him? Was it four days of not exercising? Was And kind of look at that as a living document that that can help you get to where Hayden is. Any thoughts on, that's probably somebody like you, Bo, taught mm-hmm. me that yeah. somewhere along the line or one of the YSAs. I certainly didn't come up with that on my own, but it's just a tool that I think could be helpful. I, I like it. And I like the, the keyword personal, right? That's mm-hmm. huge. Um, let's be honest. This is God's work in his glory. So if you, if you want to get better and you're sincere and you are willing to go to him and say, God, tell me whatever it is and I'll do it. He'll let you know. And, and I'll, and I'll be honest. If you come to me, I'll let you know. I'll, I have no problem. Like telling you, if you, if you're going to be honest and vulnerable with me, I, I believe I should be honest with you too. And say, here's what I'm seeing. You know, here's what you lack. Here's, here's the thing that you're, you're tripping on. Now, the problem is I'm going to say this, uh, universally as therapists. And then I'll say it specifically to the client universally as therapists. Um, when I was in my master's program, one of my professors just really blasted us as therapists. Here we are in an auditorium full of therapists. And she, she looked at the, the auditorium full of therapists and she said, I'm going to tell you right now, some of you are going to be completely useless therapists. Some of you are going to just be yes men who just tell people what they want to hear because you want to get paid. And I, I sat there and I thought, I can't do that. I cannot do that. I cannot make a career out of just telling people like what they want to hear so they get paid. And she said, the other, the other portion of you that are going to be the ones that are uh, willing to tell people the hard things, you're going to get fired a lot. Do you get fired a lot, Bo? For sure. <laughs> I have people tell me, cool. And, and, and to be honest with you, when I started, I was kind of like, oh my gosh, I just got fired. What am I going to do? And, and to be honest with you, like now I, I understand that, you know, God knows that I'm the type of therapist that will say the thing that maybe someone else would be afraid to say. And so he's kept sending people to me that want help. So I'm not, I'm not worried about it now in that sense, but um, so, and the reason I'm saying this universally as a therapist, like as a therapist, if you're, if there's a therapist listening to this, have the courage to tell the person what they need to hear, you know, that's, that's number one. But the other thing is on your, on your point with your article in the enzyme, uh, creating a personal plan. Okay. We have such a tendency to lick the frosting, so to speak. Okay. We're, we're the, we're, you know, I want Jesus to be this giant care bear that just hands out lollipops and pats me on the head and says, good job. I love you so much. You're enough. And I would never require you to do anything hard. And I love you as you are. Anyways, have a nice day. The reality is, is that's not the Jesus I know. The Jesus I know says, um, well, for one scripture, he says, come to me and I'll show you your weakness. And you're thinking, well, if I came to you, could you at least pat me on the head and say, good job? And, And it's, no, we're not wasting time, a lot of time with that. What we're doing is, He's in the business of saving souls and, and helping you. And so didn't you go to him because you wanted him to tell you how to improve your life? And so, the, I mean, I'm, I'm referring to this don't lick the frosting thing because if someone's creating a personal plan for their own recovery, we have a tendency to, uh, number one, not know Christ because he does have expectations and he is firm. 
right? He is loving and kind, but man, I've felt rebuked by him before where you go, holy cow, I better, I better start flying straight, right? The other thing is, uh, what, what are you gaining by, you know, kind of doing these, you know, calisthenics that, that never really stretch me beyond what I currently know or, or what my muscles can currently handle. Um, so if you're creating an action plan, be honest with yourself. So an action plan in itself per se isn't bad. It's, it's, it's the principle you're trying to teach is it has to motivate you. And you can't do that in isolation mm-hmm. without Christ and with the other things you're talking about this podcast. Well, for sure. Cause one quick thing, and then I'll tell you. So someone comes in and I'm going to, let me compare since we're talking exercise and whatnot, let me compare it to obesity, for example. So if someone went to a, to a physical trainer and they, you know, and it's funny because I get the, 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 the cosmetologists say, you know, I'm a, I'm a hairapist and the, the, uh, cause you know, everyone spills the beans while they're getting their haircut. Mm-hmm. And then the, <laughs> the physical trainer will say, you know, I, I do a lot of similar work to what you do, Bo, because people come into physical training and I actually have to kind of motivate them and, and help them learn how to take care of their body or whatever. I'm going to say kind of a similar thing. Okay. If I'm meeting the person where they are, one thing I can do as a therapist, and that happens quite often is people need help finding motivation. And that happens quite a bit when you feel down and you feel discouraged and it doesn't seem possible and you've lost hope. Like that's, that's an important thing that was, if, if that shows up, we'll address it. So compared to, for example, physical training, someone who's obese, if you, if you sat down in an auditorium full of people who were overweight and you said, everyone, everyone in here who wants to be in shape, raise your hand. You, you would not have a single person not raise their hand. Everyone would raise their hand. But the reality is, is not every single person in that room is going to get in shape. And you're going to, it's going to be divided between probably at least maybe more, but at least two groups. One group is the group that's having a hard time staying motivated because it's hard to get in shape. The other group is the group that doesn't know how to get in shape. Ability versus motivation. Exactly. And so in therapy, you're, you are going to talk about both. You know, some sessions may focus, if your motivation is out the window, then the session is going to focus on motivation. If the session if the, if the key factor that's missing has something to do with understanding how to make it work and figuring that out, then it's going to be more of that category. Yeah. That's uh, everything that Bo said. I agree with. And, um, just a few thoughts on, on creating a personal prevention plan. Um, I will say this, if you are to the point where you're triggered, a lot of times, um, it's a little, I'm not going to say every time I'm not going to say it's too late, but you, you have to create a plan that is going to, is going to preemptively attack those triggers. So that's a great point. For example, I mean, back to the whole Marine Corps mindset is you don't, um, you don't want to create, you, you create a plan before every engagement with the enemy. But the second that the enemy, um, the second that the enemy engages you, we have this saying that your, your whole plan goes out the window. It's, I mean, you planned all these things, but you can't anticipate the way that the enemy is going to be set up, what kind of equipment they have. You can do a lot of good reconnaissance and you can, um, you know, gather intel from your past engagements with the enemy, but every single engagement is different. The environment's different, um, the terrain, the weather, like there's so many factors that go into going and attacking an enemy that really your plan really kind of goes out the window at the point of attacking the enemy. And so I think for me, it it comes to preemptively um, either not avoiding the enemy, but surprising the enemy 
and and doing things that are gonna gonna make it so your casualty rate is gonna be so low. Like you, what you want to do, like in the Marine Corps, we have a rule where it's three to one. So three Marines to every one enemy fighter. We never we never want to fight a one to one battle. Like when you if someone shoots it, throws a grenade at you. You don't throw a grenade at them. You drop a freaking bomb, a three, a three hundred pound bomb on them. That's that's the type of mindset you have to have in war. You're not you're not going tit for tat. If someone shoots you, you're not shooting them back. There's there's no there's no. Uh, it's not about having a fair game, right? It's about making it so advantageous for you that the probability of casualty is so low. Now, when it comes to pornography, what you're going to have to find out is that. There are so many factors that are leading you down this road. Those neural pathways that, that Bo was talking about. I love the trail, yeah, the mountain trail. A lot of times I think about it. Have you ever like h- hiked up a trail that was so like it's super steep and so worn down that it's like slippery and it's kind of hard to to get your grip? And I, I kind of think of it that way where it's like if you get on that trail, like you're going to, especially when it's become such a habit in your life, you're going to slide down into it over and over and over again. And so what you have to do is you have to start not getting to the beginning of that trail. And those are the type of plans you have to come up with. So, I mean, for example, if in the morning for, so for me in the mornings, if I woke up lazy and I didn't have something to do right in the morning, then I, that's when I would slip up. That's when I would feel triggered, actually. So what happened was I would, I, I found myself, I would take my phone out of the room and I, would, I wouldn't sleep with it in my room, but I'd still wake up. If I woke up lazily, I'd still wake up triggered. And sometimes I would go about my day, but I would never, I would still triggered and I would go and get my phone and go into my room, right? And so what I learned is that that was a good step, but I needed to also set something else in plan. So I needed to start waking up earlier and I needed to have a plan right when I woke up. And it allowed me not even to get to the point of trigger. I was creating those neural pathways. I wasn't playing around at the edge at the beginning of that pathway, standing there and just being like, I hope I have the strength to turn away from it. Because unfortunately, you probably won't. And for those of you listening that have struggled with pornography, there's there's these moments, and, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, where you are... you get to the point where like you're triggered and you you've made the like the decisions no longer made like the animal brain kind of turns on and you're like I'm going to look at pornography and I'm going to get to it no matter what and that that actually happens where it's just like it just everything else turns off all your logic all of the goals everything you made just completely gets turned off and you get that animal brain on right and it's just you have to find the pornography and you get to that point so you have to you have to preemptively avoid getting to that point. Um, and so what you, what you want to do is, is make plans that are going to allow you to stay away from getting to that point. And soon you'll get stronger and stronger and stronger. And I didn't, I didn't emphasize this enough on, on the earlier segment we had, but I don't have, I have complete access to, to pornography on my phone right now. Like I could go and I could look at any pornographic website right now. Um, and the thing is, is I'm to the point where I, I've taken the enemy's position and now I'm just building up 
I'm, I'm taking his position he was hiding in and I'm putting up sandbags. I'm setting up uh, machine gun nests and I'm fortifying. I'm putting up sea wire, all these things to fortify my position because I'm not dumb enough to think that the enemy's not coming back. Um, and so I'm not just going to hang out where I just barely took out the enemy and just like be like, oh, this was good enough. Um, but I'm constantly fortifying, but I no longer have those. I no longer have that suppressing fire that's keeping the enemy's head down. Um, but instead I'm just building myself up. Um, and the last thing I want to, I want to say about those Nephite cities, by the way, mm -hmm. as you just talked about that, they take them and then they fortify them. Right. Um, and so the last thing I want to talk about is in this fight, you have to be willing to suffer and you're not going to suffer for a long time. Like it's not going to be all the time, but there's going to be moments where you're just going to have to choose to just kind of suffer through it. And I, I think Bo, he probably remembers this conversation that I had, but there was one night where I'd gone like weeks, like I had been on a really long streak without pornography, even months, I think. And I was sitting in my bed and I just had the urge and I just had the urge and I, I resisted it for hours, probably like three hours, but I was trying to go to sleep and it was like 1.30 and I'd been laying in my bed for three hours and I was so exhausted. And I had prayed, God, please take this, desire away from me, help me, help me. And it wasn't going away. And so finally out of just like, oh, if I do this, at least I'll be able to go to sleep. You know, I looked at porn and masturbated. And after it was the day that night before I saw Bo, I went in and I told him about that. And he just kind of said, you need to be the type of person that's willing to give up a whole night's sleep to overcome this. And I just thought, I just think about that, that you know what, at that night, if I would have just got on my knees and I would have just prayed and I would have prayed until I fell asleep, it would have been worth it. And there's just going to be moments like you can set up these plans, you can do all these things, but there is going to be moments where you just have to rely on the Lord completely. And I just, I wish, and, and now it's okay because I mean, I've made the stride and I faced it and I, I actually had like a pretty close to sleepless night later on, like the same thing happened and, but I was able to stick through it. But I just, I wish that that night I would have just got on my knees and I would have fell, fell asleep while I was praying. And then I would have woke up the next morning and not, cause I've done that on my mission where I fell asleep on my knees one time and you wake up like four hours later and you can't even move. Like you're, <laughs> your legs are so bad. And I just, that's the type of mindset you have to have. Like, are you willing to stay on your knees all night and pray to God so that you don't do that? I need to, I need to add something. This is actually like what Hayden just said is a hundred percent gospel congruent. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't like the idea of like, like, like in, in like weightlifting, you'd call it like bro science where you're like, well, yeah, try this. And you're like, mm -hmm. nothing actually backs it up. Uh, there's no bro science in what Hayden just said. <laughs> like the reality is the savior would back that up and he did. And I'll even tell it to you. Uh, him saying, um, Matt, I believe it's Matthew 11. And he says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And here's the part I'm talking about. If you're, if you're going to Christ and you expect him to be the giant care bearer that I just told you about. And he, and, and, and if you're, if your Jesus is a giant care bear, Jesus, then you're going to expect that he's just going to, you know, Hayden prayed and he, you know, he struggled with it for a few minutes and then giant care bear, Jesus is going to come in and sweep it away. Mm -hmm. And then we, I get to go to bed and I get to have a great night's sleep and, and everyone lives happily ever after. The reality is, is that those few verses, it's the last, the last three verses of, of Matthew 11, I think. And he says, 
Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. And we're notorious for putting words in Jesus's mouth. Like we want to like cut off the rest of the scripture and be like, hey, you said rest. Okay, take it. Right. And you listen to the rest of the scripture and he said rest, but what comes next sounds like a lot of work. You know, he, it's, it's an instruction manual. It literally is in three verses, a ginormous instruction manual. And he says, you know, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And then he tells you how take my yoke upon you. Well, a yoke is what the oxen use to work, right? So you're yoking up with Christ. And that's a very, that's a very interesting analogy because, uh, number one, if you're yoked to him, you're going where he's going. And he goes to dark places. Yeah. And second of all, a yoke is meant to work, right? He didn't say, hey, hey join me in pasture, right? He says, yoke up with me. Let's get to work. So if I'm the, if I'm the dude who's struggling with a thousand pound pornography problem, okay? And I can't move it. And I, and I'm, I might be able to move 70 pounds of it, but when it weighs a thousand pounds, pull as hard as you want. It's, it hasn't moved. Pull all day long. It still hasn't moved. Okay. So Christ says, Hey, yoke up with me and let's, you know, if you, if you, if you're laboring and you're heavy, heavy burdened under this burden of pornography, let me pull with you. Right. So you're becoming a, a team of oxen. And what's the, what's the, what's Paul Bunyan's ox? Isn't it like, Oh yeah. Is it- blue. Is it something yeah, like that? Blue. blue? Uh-huh. Yeah. So in this case, Jesus would be blue. Like, He's the ginormous <laughs> ox that can pull anything, right? Mm-hmm. And and I'm the pathetic, sickly ox that probably has leprosy and hasn't mm-hmm. eaten for three weeks, right? So it's like the reality is, is he's he's saying, you know what, yoke up with me, Bo. I can easily pull a thousand pounds. Now here's the part I'm gonna correlate it to with what Hayden's saying. So people would say, Oh, good, Jesus, you're here. Go ahead. I know you're capable of pulling a thousand pounds, so go ahead. The problem is, why does Jesus need to pull it? He's not the one who's lacking virtue. He's going to allow you to pull what you can so that your virtue will grow. Mm. Okay. He knows you're not capable of pulling a thousand, but he knows you're capable of pulling 70. So make no mistake about it. When it's three in the morning and you haven't pulled 70, don't be surprised when he looks at you and goes, what are you doing? And you go, well, Jesus, I thought you were going to handle it. And he goes, no, uh, pull with me, pull with me. Right. But Jesus, I'm only capable of pulling 70 then pull 70. Okay. And as you're pulling 70, what happens is eventually you can pull 90 and eventually you can pull a hundred. And, and as you're pulling with him, you're getting stronger because you're mm-hmm. learning how to pull the way he pulls. Now think about the next part of the, the instruction manual that these three verses are. He says, not only are you, are you supposed to come to him? That's the first thing people don't realize. I want to lay on the beach like a, like, like a, a beached well and just flail about and wait till Jesus comes and rescues me. But he makes it very clear. Come to me. Okay. And sometimes we think we're not good enough to come to him or we yeah. stay in mm-hmm. our shame yeah. or self-loathing. Well, maybe, maybe that's a, a part of the good, uh, a good reason why he says the next part, which is learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart. Because a meek and lowly Jesus doesn't backhand you when you go to him and say, you pathetic, what's your problem? He says, hey, I'm so glad you're here. Let me I help you, that. right? So probably twofold. One fold being, you need to know he's meek so that you know he's approachable. The second fold being, you need to know he's meek because you need to be meek. Mm-hmm. So if you're following that instruction manual to a T, then you get to the third part, which is, yeah, this is how rest happens. This is how the rest happens to you. And mind you, 
I'll, I'll pull another scripture into this. He, he says things like, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. Not as the world giveth is the key phrase. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I'd probably say the same thing with this scripture. So what if he said, I'm going to give you rest, not as the world giveth. Because the mm-hmm. world's version of rest <laughs> is called avoidance. Yeah. The, you know? Uh-huh. So not moving forward. It's, it's being yoked to this burden and then just saying, oh, I'm just going to plop down here and just, I'm not going to try to move forward where I think it's awesome. I love, I I've always loved that image of being yoked to the savior because he does not say, I mean, it's funny because to become a disciple of Christ is actually a really heavy burden. Um, and, and it's one of the great paradoxes of the gospel. There's a million of the paradoxes, you know, lose your life and you shall find your life um, is, is one example of that. And this is another one where, so let's say you have this burden of pornography and you come and let's say you had no, you weren't Christian before you, didn't, you haven't made the decision to be a disciple of Christ. And then you come, and you're like, well, I'll try out this Christianity thing. And he's like, all right. Well, not only can you look at porn, but you also have to be honest. You also have to do this. You have to do that. And then as members of the church, right, you join and you're just like, okay, you're also going to have this calling. You're going to go to church two hours a week and you need to live. Don't drink alcohol, like live this life. And it's like this really heavy burden. But the key to all of this is it doesn't matter how heavy your cart is that you're pulling. It matters who you are pulling with. When you're pulling with the son of God, like Bo said, he is going to make sure that you you can carry that burden to the promised land. Because um, like I said earlier, really, it's like you have this burden and you're supposed to be going somewhere. You want to get somewhere, right? And while you're moving in that direction, you're going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. But a lot of us, we just will be like, all right, well, I have this burden and I'm just going to give up going there because it's easier to just sit here yoked to it than try to fight against it and pull it. Um, but I, I have a testimony of that, that there may, there is a lot of responsibility that comes from being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And it's very heavy, but it's also lighter than if I was trying to do this on my own. It's just this crazy paradox. I can't explain it. And so please, if you're, if you're carrying burdens and it seems like too much work to, to you know, to come unto Christ, it just seems like it's going to add to it. I, it, it won't, I promise you, it will only you will, it's the only way. I'm not just going to say it's a, an easy way. It's the only way. And so you really don't have any other, any other choices. Well, to the, and plus to the 70, to the, the sickly 70 pound ox, uh, mm-hmm. the thousand pound weight is ridiculously heavy. But when Christ has nurtured that person up to the point where they can now pull a thousand pounds easily, mm-hmm. like you're talking about you could, you get to the point healing wise where you're living in a world full of pornography and you're saying, Hey, how cool is that? I don't feel those poles that I used to feel. Mm -hmm. And I feel in control of myself and, you know, I can go to bed without, you know, fighting this urge to masturbate or whatever. Uh I'm in control of myself. Uh And you think uh, like in our church's theology, right? Which is unique. The church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints theology is unique in the sense that we believe that we can, through the grace of Jesus Christ, become like Jesus Christ, right? And so essentially, and this is like long-term, right? It's not going to happen here um, while we're on this earth, but like he wants to get to the point where he's like, all right, man, I'm going to go back and get someone else. And he does it and you're pulling it on your own. And, and it is through, and, and like a lot of people have struggled with this, like, is it grace or is it your works, right? 
it's it's a combination of both. Like the grace combined with your works allow you. So the grace lets you pull the cart forward despite your weakness, but also your works allows you to become strong enough where you can be the type of person that can pull the cart. Well, and how gracious of the Lord to pull 900 plus pounds while you're only pulling 70, mm-hmm. right? To start out. Yeah, for you know? sure. I just wrote down the word gold a couple of times. This last part of this podcast has just been gold. <laughs> and when you took us to that night and how difficult that was, and then what you said, um, that was gold. Mm-hmm. You being honest and vulnerable, I think a lot of the listeners just say, yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. And But I love what you did, and I love then what you did. I love this idea you know, when I talk about triggers, you guys, you talked about, hey, I'm out of that world. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean my defenses are down. It doesn't mean I could slip up. It doesn't mean I'm mm-hmm. just putting my head in the sand saying this is behind me. But I love the hope that creates for listeners that are just right now dealing with those triggers and wondering, mm-hmm. you know, I'm managing my triggers, but will this ever pass? I like it that does. you don't have, that you're at the point right now that your phone is where it is and you've built this in your military language, this resistance in place that you know you're not being triggered because that is the goal. Mm-hmm. And I love that you're not just in this permanent defensive mode, but you're in offensive yeah, mode. Yeah, that's key. And I love your, you know, for our listeners, I'm looking at Hayden and over Hayden's shoulders, his wife, Savannah. And she's been on the podcast before, but I love, I love watching her smile at Hayden when he was talking about, about that night and, and going to his counselor and then, and then needing to pray the whole night if needed. And she was, I could just tell how much she loved you and how proud she is of you. And this is a difficult topic, mm-hmm. but I recognize that she gets it, that this is building the, the things in you that she loves about you. Mm-hmm virtue and kindness and empathy and understanding of the atonement of Jesus Christ. And you guys are expecting it. Mm-hmm. And the kind of father and husband that this journey that you've been on is, is helping you. And that's why I conclude my Ensign article with, you are the leaders and the parents of tomorrow. You're the first generation that's dealt with 24-7 access. And I think you're going to help guests get to the finish line and people like Bo. So I have great hope. But there were some things in that last segment between the two of you that I thought were just great. Now, women listening, you know, we're, there's a couple of guys you're talking about, but everything, you know, there's more shame, I think, about women. And some mm-hmm. women reach out to me, and you probably, both of you have women that are reaching out to you, or maybe you, Savannah, too. Everything that these men have taught here apply to you. Um, so mm-hmm. don't let the shame of this increase or think this is the guy's thing, or if I open up, this is even worse. Don't do that. That is Satan that wants to keep you. One of my points in the Insider articles, don't go this alone. Mm-hmm. You need to have what Hayden's had here is team Hayden. You need to have the savior. You need to have heavenly parents. You need to have people in your lives. And shame is Satan's tool to isolate you and think this is just your problem to solve on your own and no one's ever had this same problem. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. And I know both of these men would, and you're probably meeting with women, Bo. I am. I, I was actually going to add that. The, the reality is, is uh, counseling takes a high degree of vulnerability and a high degree of humility to come in and, <laughs> like we said, like sit down and to a stranger and be like, hey, here's what I struggle with. But um, yes, absolutely. Pornography is not just a gender specific problem. 
So this is full of hope. So if you're working on pornography, if you're um, a parent or a local leader, this is all hope. And this is hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's hope in the Savior. Everything you've taught about the Savior to me is full of hope. This yoking, the visual imagery created bow and yoking. Um, you both have a style of directness that is very helpful. Um, I think you feed off each other in a really good way. <laughs> and I do think some of us go to therapy. and We just want that to be the easiest hour of the, of the week for <laughs> us. And sometimes you need that. And sometimes mm-hmm. maybe you need that in a therapist, but others times. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it was, I, I do <laughs> want to say that sometimes like he can read the room and he read the room where it's just like, all right, Hayden needs motivation this week. You know, so he needs that's help. Probably a gift. And maybe mm-hmm. parents and priesthood leaders at times we need to do that. But there's times because of the, mm-hmm. The sort of the time you took in these early sessions, Bo, to get to know Hayden, I think you sort of got on. I always thought as a as a parent, as a wise bishop, I wanted to kind of get on their road before I started prescribing or or mm-hmm. suggesting. And I felt like I just had more standing at that point because I sort of got them and I got the trust and it would just resonate more. And I just, I think that's a great thing that the two of you did. And then you would be bold anyway, Bo, but mm-hmm. I think it's easier to be bold and true. the true sort of, um, one of your gifts, I think, is being bold on with a doctrine, a clinical foundation that really resonates with people. Mm-hmm. But my guess is it comes a little. You haven't. You didn't do that in the first session with Hayden. Mm-mm. No, the first the first session. Well, like using uh, Solomon's advice is, you know, only a fool answers before listening. So I, I took that to heart. I mean, the reality is, is I don't want to be the guy who sits down and just is going to give generic answers that aren't applicable because. You know, he, he made it very clear. He, he had to sacrifice something to be there, time and money, mm-hmm. you know? So I ought to do the part to say, well, let me give you my best effort, Hayden, mm-hmm. and find out what you're dealing with. So I want you both to close with, I want in any closing comments, Hayden, tell people about your podcast that you and your wife started, how to, how to yeah, find that podcast. For sure. Uh, so my wife and I started a podcast called I Stand at the Door. It's based on the painting by Del Parson of uh, Jesus Christ knocking at the door, and but there's no door handle and how we need to let him in. And in my experience, I think that shame is the reason why we don't let Christ in because we got a messy house and uh, we want to straighten up before we let him in. But the reality is, is that we we're incapable of straightening up our houses without him. So the the whole purpose of the podcast is to address pornography and kind of de-shame it. Um, actually, uh, Bo's going to be Good. become a part of that. Awesome. And at least once we're going to try to at least once a month have a question and answer episode where we just sit down and we have because I have a bunch of questions and and other people sending in questions. And we're just going to talk about these subjects and get uh, Bo's uh, expert opinion on it, as well as just kind of like the spiritual doctrine behind it. And um, just to kind of close out with my closing remarks and let Bo, I just, I want to say that um, this is a spiritual work to recover. Like recovery is spiritually exhausting and it's spiritually, um, it's just, it's a spiritual work. And you can't do it without the Savior, Jesus Christ. So don't try. And if you are struggling and you, whatever your situation is, I, I want you to know that I, my story is my story and it's unique to me. And I think the value and the whole reason we're doing the podcast is just to encourage people to figure out their story. And on our last podcast, we talked about two stories of, of people, one of Peter and one of Judas. And 
it's funny because they found themselves in similar situations, but they reacted differently. Um, Judas um, betrayed the Savior, which led to his crucifixion, and he let the shame and guilt of it all drive him to suicide. Um, where Peter, he denied the Savior and betrayed the Savior three times, but he followed that up with relentless repentance and discipleship. And I just want you to know, whoever's listening, that you have the opportunity to make that decision for yourself, that your addictions, that your problems, that your sins don't need to define you, but that your resilience and desire to follow Christ and to be a disciple of him is going to heal you. So don't, you don't, don't take my story and just do exactly what I've done, but, but spend time with the Savior, ask him what he needs you to do, and don't be closed off to things like counseling or going to a, a healing and recovery meeting or an addiction recovery meeting or whatever you need to do. Just be open and be the author of your story. Yeah. And Bo, give people as part of your closing comments any contact information you want to give. Yeah, sure. Um, So I'm a private practice called Cobalt Counseling. Uh, You can find me on the internet on cobaltcounselor.com. And uh, I have a private practice in Taylorsville just off of I-215. So on 4700 South. My phone number uh, for my work is 801-680-6492. I'm, I'm happy to help, you know, obviously, uh, I'll, I'll try to I'll try to make it abundantly clear today that I'll try to meet you where you are on that path of recovery. And I, I don't believe that I treat people like a one size fits all. So, you know, if you're, if you're someone who's struggling and you feel like, uh, it may be beneficial to add counseling as one aspect of your recovery plan, then, you know, that's certainly something I'm willing to help with. And I absolutely am not the only counselor out there. There's a lot of counselors and I, I would just add, uh, again, um, I think I would be in big trouble seeing what I've seen with thousands of therapy sessions and how this works. I think I'd be in big trouble with the Lord if I didn't say, uh, the atonement is real and it works and Jesus Christ heals even this. So, um, I, I, I just pray that, you know, this would be helpful for anyone and, and hope they can get some answers. Well, Bo and Hayden, you two have been great. So thank you so much for the work you're doing, being willing to talk about this subject again. And thank you, our listeners. This is Richard Osler signing off on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. Mm -hmm.